0: Hi there, welcome to Health Now from WebMD. I'm your host, Carrie Gann. This podcast covers all things health your body, your brain, and your well being. Each week, we'll be joined by doctors as well as the occasional guest to talk about the health topics that mean the most to you. This week, is drinking alcohol the key to living longer? One new study says it is. Then, the truth about one of Hollywood's hottest diets and a promising development for people with peanut allergies. Later, a story about how one couple faces life with bipolar disorder. Then, should you be drinking bottled water? We ask an expert. Finally, our tweak of the week may just help you set healthy habits you'll never forget. Stay with us. If you're looking forward to happy hour right now, or hey, maybe you're sipping a cocktail as you listen, I have good news. Well, kind of. New research says that moderate drinking may help you live longer and may even benefit you more than exercising every day. This was a study where people who drank two glasses of wine or beer a day lowered their risk of early death slightly more than people who exercised every day. It was 18% for the drinkers compared to 11% for those who worked out. So does this mean you can skip the gym and meet your friends at the bar instead? Well, not quite. For starters, exercise is really important for your heart, your mind, and your overall health, and most of us just aren't getting enough of it. And it is true that some studies show that drinking in moderation can be healthy, but others have found that people who drink any amount at all are more likely to die at an earlier age. What does that mean for you? Drinking more will not make you live forever, sadly, and some studies say it could shorten your life. There's a reason doctors say to drink in moderation which means one drink a day for women and two for men. When it comes to living longer, we know that being at a healthy weight is key. There's a diet that everyone's been talking about. Celebrities swear by it, social media is obsessed with it, and there are whole websites dedicated to it. So I asked our chief medical editor, Michael Smith, to give his perspective on why everyone is so hyped about this plan. Okay, let's talk a little bit about weight loss, which is always top of mind for lots of people. Well, I've got a few famous names here for you. Uh, Halle Berry, Kourtney Kardashian, Jen Wiederstrom from The Biggest Loser. I know you know where this is going. I know you know exactly what all these people have in common. It's the ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. And these are just some of the folks, celebrities and otherwise, who've been trying this diet. So, what is it? Basically, it's the ultra-low-carb diet. Different from other kinds of low-carb diets, right? Where you can have what we call good carbs, like beans, um, and then you substitute that with a lot of protein and fat. What is the, the idea behind that? How does that work?
1: You know, it sounds like a whole new thing, right? It's greatest fat. Oh, thank God we found the ketogenic diet. Well, yeah. it's been around for decades, right? Um, uh-huh. Remember Atkins? That was kind yes. of their prototypical ketogenic diet. Um, where you're really eating probably fewer than 20 grams of carbohydrates a day. You know, most of us are eating hundreds, right, to give you some perspective, eating fewer than 20 grams a day, practically nothing. So on the ketogenic diet, um, you're basically switching your body into a fat burn mode so that as we sit here today, our primary source of our body's fuel is carbohydrates, but when we decrease that significantly in our diet, our body turns to fat for fuel. Great thing, right? It's turning to our fat stores in our body.
0: Makes sense. Helps us
1: lose weight. It's actually very effective. Uh, It's obviously a lifestyle that isn't for everyone because yes, you're giving up potatoes, pasta, rice, fruit, right? People think, wait, fruit's healthy, right? Well, it is healthy, but it's high in sugar, all fruit. That's pretty much what fruit is. So on the ketogenic diet, you do actually have to give that up now the thing about the ketogenic diet is that it's not like someone necessarily follows that forever right it is a lifestyle meaning you will probably if you want to maintain your results you you really do kind of have to live a low-carb lifestyle but it's really meant to be a diet to help you get to a certain weight loss goal and then you you know, kind of transition it from there.
0: You have to kind of but stay very low carb in order to maintain whatever benefits you
1: well, got. Well, I mean, generally I think that's somewhat true for everybody, I mean, te- you, technically you could go back to eating carbs mm-hmm. after you reach your weight loss goal, but you obviously can't go back to what you were doing before, or they'll, you'll end up right back where you were before. So it is something you probably always want to think about is, after the stricter ketogenic diet phase, a low carb lifestyle is probably where you want to be.
0: Hmm. So be ready to say goodbye to your french fries for, for
1: yeah, good, it kind needs, of. Yeah, it needs to, you know, even when you're not trying to lose weight, you know, french fries need to be a once in a while food. Wait, once? Yeah, no. e- even, <laughs> even potatoes. It's just, you can, those kind of foods are so easy to overeat.
0: Right, that's very true, certainly. And this diet, I mean, people are talking about it like it is a miracle mm-hmm. diet. There's so many claims aside from the weight loss, right. like anti-aging, more energy, better skin. I even think I said, heard something about fewer PMS symptoms for women. Are those claims valid? Is this worth a shot for most people who are not Halle Berry and Courtney Kardashian? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you know, there's not really a lot of evidence to support those claims. However, Um, There is pretty good evidence to support things, certainly weight loss, better blood sugar control. We even see improved cholesterol levels, which is even strange because some people are eating diets high in saturated fat. But because they are losing weight, they are improving their cholesterol levels. Certainly energy, actually. When you are in fat burn mode, that is a natural source of energy as well as it decreases your hunger and cravings. The ketones, when your body's burning those, that that all just happens naturally. So it does have a lot of benefits. Anti-aging, well, you're losing weight. You are getting healthier. So, you know, I could make the anti-aging claim from that perspective. The skin, there is a study showing decreased acne in people on ketogenic. you know, those claims might not be too far-fetched, but, you know, it is really all relates back to eating, you know, eating in a way to help you lose weight. So, you benefit from it from that perspective.
0: And it's not just like you're snacking on carrots and nothing else. Maybe right. if you're getting a little yeah. protein, you'll be a little more satisfied than, than you usually would.
1: Exactly. And the thing is, I, I would hope that people would choose a healthier version of the ketogenic diet as opposed to the bacon diet. You know, you used to hear people oh, all the time yeah. just living off bacon.
0: Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can be ketogenic and still eat lean proteins, healthy fats, and that would be what I would recommend that people do when they want to try the ketogenic diet.
0: Okay, interesting. Are there any things that you need to look out for if you do try it? Or are there some people who shouldn't try it?
1: You know, generally, it's pretty safe, but just know for the first few days, you're not going to feel very good. You will have low energy. You probably will be hungry. You will have cravings you just, your brain might not function completely good. You know, like mm-hmm. you don't want to put yourself in a position of having to maintain top performance while you're transitioning into a, you know, the ketogenic diet. But generally, it is a, it's pretty safe for everybody. Now, one population that needs to be particularly concerned are people with diabetes, ah. especially if you're on medication. Obviously, it could decrease your blood sugars drastically and quickly and could be ta- dangerous for people with diabetes, particularly on medication. But generally, if you have a, a chronic medical condition, heart disease, lung disease, whatever it is, it's a good idea to check with your doctor first because it is a, you know, for lack of a better word, a, a bit of an extreme approach. But right. I mean, I do actually think for most people it is a healthy approach.
0: Right, so check with your doctor who probably knows more about your health and right. see if it's safe for you. Make sure. Thank you so much to Dr. Michael Smith for those insights. And if you've done the keto diet, give us a shout on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and let us know how it worked out for you. Logan and Mary Coulter are navigating a big challenge in their marriage. Mary has bipolar disorder, but instead of pushing them apart, the condition has brought them closer together. Here's their story. I was best friends with his
2: sister.
3: And my sister said, you gotta meet my friend. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna date one of your friends. And then Mary walked in the room and I said, well, I changed my mind. I'll date your friend.
2: (laughs) And I actually called my mom that day and I said, mom, you're not gonna believe this, but I met the man I'm going to marry. I've kind of always known that I was a little different than everybody. The first time I noticed that there was something wrong was ironically on the day he proposed to me. I was graduating that year and here comes the man of my dreams and I was so depressed and I knew there was something wrong.
3: Especially being young, you don't really understand, you know, what you're seeing. Because nobody really talks about mental illness.
2: I was so extremely depressed, suicidal. I wrote in my journal
3: and I remember spending a day just reading through the whole journal front to back. You know, it ended up being kind of like <clears throat> the missing piece of the puzzle.
2: But I was so mad at you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you practically had to drag me to the hospital. I did not want to go at all.
3: But she did it. I'm so proud of her.
2: When I was told that I had bipolar disorder, it was devastating.
3: Now that we've been together so long, I know exactly where things are heading, but it just took time. Right when Mary wakes up, I know exactly how she's feeling. Rarely do I go, okay, that came out of nowhere, which I think a lot of people think, well, bipolar is, Well, she woke up this morning, she's smiling and giving babies hugs and kisses, and in the afternoon, you know, she's losing her mind. That's not bipolar disorder. Um, It's the slow onset, and it moves really slowly. There's nothing I could say or do that's going to make her snap out of it. I can't change it. I can only just be there for her.
2: My brain does not have a cap to how amazing I can feel, but it also doesn't have a plug to how horrible I can feel. I said, well, how about we illustrate my feelings in pictures, I think that would be very powerful.
3: Now, Mary's come up with so many great ideas, you know, over the years, but then when she mentioned this one, I'm like, this is it, Mary.
2: He booked the tickets, he gave me the contact information of a photographer to take these pictures for me, and made it a reality. When I get these uncontrollable feelings of
3: rage, it's so overwhelming. It's almost like a volcano about to explode. I can see it coming.
2: Suicidal thoughts is when you are so profoundly depressed and in your deranged, irrational state of mind, you think the only thing that will help you is killing yourself, which absolutely I know is not the answer. It's very hard, and there's a lot of people who feel that every day. Creativity feels like your brain needs to go for an extremely long run.
3: You know, I get excited for her. I'm like, wow, what an amazing thought. I mean, she can have ideas and, and be so futuristic in a, in a capacity that I could never get to. Sadness is obviously a lot harder for Mary than it is for me.
2: You just keep crying and crying for for me personally for no reason i don't want my kids to remember me as a sad person having to explain to them you know mommy's brain hurts right now i'm just sick for me that's the hardest part hypersexuality is probably my husband's favorite symptom of them all not
3: bad (laughs) we work through it (laughs) (laughs)
2: It's like the whole world is sex. I think one of the hallmarks of bipolar disorder is people having affairs. And I am more in love with him than I think anybody could be with anybody. But in that state of mind, I can absolutely see how affairs happen. Paranoia for me uh, manifests itself more as I think fear. There's this constant underlying guilt with everything. Grandiosity is awesome. You can do anything that you want to. Those fleeting moments of grandiosity are amazing. Despair is feeling like there are a ton of bricks on you. You cannot move. I started a Facebook and blog and Instagram about everything bipolar. My blog is called So Bipolar. Bipolar is a very misunderstood mental illness and the more we talk about it, the more people will understand and there'll be less stigma.
3: You know, you look at other people that have, you know, maybe a family member has, or their spouse has diabetes or something else complicated. At that point, you know, you don't give up on love just because one family member is sick.
2: Our marriage is so successful because of the way we respond to it and how supportive he is of me.
3: I know we've been talking a lot about how you know, I pick Mary up, but it's, it goes both ways. You know, Mary is always there for me and all, you know, everything that I go through. Um, and then in turn, you know, I'm there for Mary when she needs my help. There is no tip or trick and there's no solution. But at the end of the day, like Mary and I love each other and this marriage is gonna last until we die. That's the way we're doing it.
0: Thanks so much to Logan and Mary for sharing their experience with us. If you want to see Mary's amazing photo series about her condition, check out our video, Married with Bipolar. You can find the link in our show notes. Let's talk about what could be good news for people who have life-threatening peanut allergies. There's been a promising new development for people with life-threatening peanut allergies. This was a small clinical trial in Australia, and they cured two-thirds of the children in the study of their peanut allergy. So how did they do that? It involved giving the children tiny but steadily increasing doses of peanut proteins along with a probiotic over the course of 18 months. The idea is that the probiotic helps to reprogram the immune system so it doesn't react so violently to exposure to peanuts. And after the trial ended, the majority of the kids were able to eat peanuts four years later. The study will need to be repeated in larger clinical trials to see if it actually works, but if it succeeds, it could be life-changing for people with nut allergies. But a word of caution, don't try this at home. The amount of the peanut protein that the kids in the study got was highly controlled to prevent reactions. Sometimes it's tough to know how to make sense of a health news story or what it really means for your life. WebMD has you covered. We get guidance from our experts to find out the truth about the latest headlines. This week, how much should you worry about drinking bottled water? Here's something you may be giving a little more thought to these days, your water. Many people choose to drink bottled water. It's convenient, of course, but some people aren't just really sure about what's coming out of their tap. But a new study may raise some more questions about that. Researchers tested bottled water different brands from nine countries all over the world and found that most of them, 93% of them, had tiny particles of plastic in the water. What are you supposed to do when you're thirsty and, and looking for a sip of water? Well, We have our medical editor, Dr. Neha Pathak, here to get into it with us. Hi, Dr. Pathak.
4: Hi, how are you?
0: I am doing great. There's this new study of bottled water, obviously, which sounds alarming, but then everyone probably remembers the headlines from last year about Flint, Michigan and the contaminated water, uh, the tap water there. What What are we to make of all this? What's safer, bottled water, tap water? How should we think about this?
4: You are so right in the sense that for years, many, many, many people have been turning to bottled water because they have the impression that it is safer in some way or healthier or cleaner. And in fact, I read something that 50 billion plastic bottles of water are bought by Americans every year.
0: What? Yes. My goodness.
4: So a huge amount of bottled water is being sold. But there's really no reason to believe that bottled water is safer for most of us. A couple of things to keep in mind. One, if you are in a developing country and the source of your water is known to be contaminated with bacteria or industrial waste and things like that then absolutely for that population bottled water is continued to be thought of as safer right in the setting of things like what you talked about where we know that there are places where there's let high lead contamination or contamination for other reasons even here in the US then it would make sense in that setting to reach for the bottle of water. But for the most part, most of us living in the U.S. have very safe, clean tap water. So it is regulated very, very strongly by the EPA. Right. and. They publicly have to let us know when there are contaminants in our water, when uh, where our water is coming from—is it a river? Is it a lake? And that report is coming to us on a regular basis. The FDA controls bottled water. Okay. So they're also looking at making sure the the producers of this plastic are making sure that the water is safe from its source and that there are no contaminants once it's in the bottled water, but that's not reported to us as consumers.
0: That makes sense.
4: So now we're throwing this new finding into the mix, which is plastic in the water bottle. So what are we supposed to do with with that? What we know now is that it doesn't matter. Like what you just said, it doesn't matter what brand, what country, if you're drinking bottled water, you're getting some microplastic into your system. Right. What we don't know is what does that mean for us as human beings and for our health. Number one, we don't know how much plastic is dangerous for us. Hmm. We don't know once it comes into our system, is our body able to remove it? Or are there some pieces of that microplastic that stays within our cells? When it gets to our cells, what happens? Is our body able to fight it? or do we have an inflammatory reaction? We really don't know. Interesting. What we do know are that there are some chemicals in plastic that have already been shown to be dangerous for human health. So you've probably heard of words like BPA. Yes,
0: absolutely. Phthalates. Mm -hmm.
4: These are all some chemicals that make up plastic. Plastic is not just one thing. Every company has their own blend It's almost like an artisanal blend, a proprietary (laughs) blend of plastic that every company is creating. And we don't exactly know how that is going to affect our health.
0: Interesting. Lots of unanswered questions there. My goodness. A lot of people don't drink bottled water every day. They only drink it sometimes. They drink it at the airport. They drink it when they're on a road trip or at the gym. Is that okay? Is that is the frequency of drinking bottled water sort of an important thing to keep in mind or do we just simply not know?
4: We don't know. I think that if we're trying to reduce the amount of plastic that we are consuming, then we probably want to try to avoid it as much as possible, but if it so happens that that's the only available option for you, I wouldn't be nervous about drinking the bottled water.
0: Okay. Thank goodness. (laughs) I don't know what I would have done if you'd said yes. (laughs) Not only is it bottled water that's the question, a lot of people turn to filtered water. They have pitchers uh, probably made of plastic with filters that they keep in their fridge and pour a glass of water just to be sure that they're, you know, removing anything that's possibly dangerous is that safe or
4: actually there was a group that looked at this an environmental group a couple of years ago and they looked at the plastic that makes up these pitchers, and then they looked at if there were these chemicals fr- based on that plastic that were leaching into the water after regular use uh-huh and their conclusion really was that at this point we don't see anything harmful in that as long as you're cleaning the pitchers properly that means not microwaving not putting them into the dishwasher um, which could disrupt the chemical composition of the plastic if you're cleaning it properly we don't really have reason right now to be nervous about that
0: okay more good news what is the safest alternative to bottled water or you know purchasing bottled water what are some things that people can do to to sort of minimize their risk, even if we don't know much about what risks there actually are?
4: Right now, we don't know, again, like I said, what the harm is for us in consuming plastic, but if you're like me and you want to avoid ingesting plastic then things that you can do are if you're taking your water on the go or you need water on the go be prepared think about stainless steel containers glass containers can be difficult particularly with children yeah for sure these are some of the ways that you can think about minimizing your exposures
0: all right good tips thank you so much dr pathik thank you for having me Now it's time for our tweak of the week. This is one simple healthy change that you can start today or right now. For this week, try this. Turn your password into a power word. So whether it's your computer or your bank account or your favorite online store, you've got passwords that you use and probably forget every day. So put them to work for you. Use them as a way to remind yourself to work toward a goal. Here's what we mean. Start by setting a goal, whether it's big or small and then change your password into a phrase that will remind you to make it happen. So maybe it's run 5K by spring or eat veggies for lunch. You get the idea. So if you've got yours in mind, give it a try. Change your password and let us know how it goes. You can find WebMD on Facebook, on Twitter, or on Instagram. And that's our show. Thanks so much to everyone for joining us for this first episode of Health Now. Hope to see you next week.